Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Travel trend, present, best and beyond. Though you weren't with us too long. That was the most precious thing we could lose. While you were here, the fun was never ending. Not a minute was a living beginning. to a special combine edition of the Gin Jag podcast. I'm your host Jordan DeLugo. I know we have not been with you for quite some time here at the Gin Jag podcast. Uh, we've had a lot of just factors that have weighed heavily on the co-hosts. Normally I'm with Scott Klein and Hunter Evans, uh, both of whom are dealing with uh, new children and new children on the way. I've been dealing with a with a move, a change in scenery here in Jacksonville, still staying around the beaches though. Um, but I digress. Not here to make excuses about our lack of podcasts. What I am here to do today is let you know that I'm going to be coming out with some more solo episodes of the Gin Jag podcast, and hopefully, very soon, we will be getting back together, uh, getting the full gang back together, or at least you know two out of the three. Uh, to do some more episodes here soon, but I am happy to be back here today, even if it is in a solo capacity. Um, We've got a lot to get to. Like I said, we're going to do the Combine preview. The NFL Combine kicks off this week. Uh, If you're not following me, please do so over on Twitter, at Jordan DeLugo, and you can follow Generation Jaguar, of course, at Generation Jag on Twitter. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. But uh, I don't want to talk too much about Gin Jag. Let's go ahead and get into the Combine. Uh, For those of you who don't know, the NFL Combine is an annual gathering of all the teams that gather in Indianapolis every year to take a look at a large portion of the uh, draft-eligible college prospects that are going to be entering the NFL draft this year, obviously 2019. Um... They're meeting today. The first day is today. These kids have a really grueling uh, week of meetings, all sorts of things. They register today. They have hospital pre-exams, x-rays, overflow testing. They have orientation for the combine. They do team interviews today. Um, Throughout the week, there will be measurements, medical examinations, overflow testing again, like I said, more interviews. Uh, They'll have psychological testing. They have a meeting with the NFL Players Association. They'll have media availability. Uh, They'll go through their bench press, and then they'll have more interviews, of course. Um, And then the biggest, one of the biggest, I believe, all these different 
tests really do factor in. I mean, obviously, if a guy doesn't test well psychologically, that's an issue. Uh, if he doesn't interview well with the team, that's an issue. But really, the meat of the combine is the on-field workouts. You get to see all sorts of different drills, uh, how these guys move, uh, and uh, just what type of athlete these, these players are. So basically how it works is there's groups um, based by position, and each group has a different day where they have their on-field workouts. Uh, the first group is the special teamers and the offensive linemen and the running backs. They will hit um, the field to do their on-field workouts on Friday. So we've got a good portion of the combine before we get to even see any players on the field. But prior to that, like I said, they'll have their measurements. They'll, do be, they'll be doing their measurements on Wednesday, medical examinations, overflow testing interviews, more of the same on Thursday for the most part. They will get to their bench press on Thursday. And then again, like I said, Friday, March 1st, they'll have their on-field workouts. And again, that is place kickers, special teamers, offensive linemen, and running backs. Um, and then the next group you have up, basically, is the quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends. They will be doing their bench press on Friday, their on-field workouts on Saturday. Then you get to the defensive linemen and the linebackers. They will be doing their bench press Saturday, on-field workouts Sunday. Then your final days, uh, you've got your DBs, your defensive backs. They'll be doing bench press Sunday. And finally, they'll wrap up the on-field workouts on Monday, March 4th. So we've got a lot to get into here. Obviously, this is a Jaguars-themed podcast. Um, uh, so we're going to focus heavily on the Jaguars here in this podcast. A lot of the players we talk about obviously won't end up on the Jaguars, but hopefully some of them will. Now, getting into the combine here, you want to talk about positions of need and value for a position. So let's go ahead and look at the Jaguars' positions of need and where the value really lies with those positions in the draft. Um, first off, quarterback Blake Bortles is obviously on his way out of town. He has been a massive disappointment since signing his three-year deal worth $18 million a year. You really just can't overstate how big of a train wreck 2018 was for Blake Bortles and the Jaguars offense. Uh, so they're going to move on from him. Cody Kessler is obviously not the answer. And while I am a fan of the recently signed Alex Magoo, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to put all your cards in on Alex Magoo, who is a uh, seventh round pick in 2018. But he does have some potential to have some staying power on the Jaguars roster as a backup, I do believe. But quarterback is one of your uh, biggest positions of need, obviously. I think that that position is very top-heavy. I think if you're not getting your quarterback in the uh, top of the first round, then you're probably not getting good value out of that position this year just because I don't think anybody after the top two guys, and if you've followed any of my work here, you know my top two guys at quarterback. We'll get into that when I get into our Jaguars players to target. But again, if you're not getting your guy in the top 10, uh, if you're the Jaguars, 
you're probably not getting a long-term solution at the quarterback position from my perspective. Uh, wide receiver, I think that's their second biggest position need uh, entering 2019. You've obviously got D.D. Westbrook, who played very well for the Jaguars in uh, 2018, really emerged as a playmaker, not only as a wide receiver, but also as a punt returner. Um, he has the ability to catch the ball all over the field, has the ability to uh, make make something out of nothing on screens and also uh, rush the ball a little bit as well. So you like D.D. Westbrook, you like Marquise Lee, but he is coming back from the knee injury. You hope he's healthy, ready to go. Um, and then obviously D.J. Chark, had a very disappointing rookie year last year as a second-round pick. Uh, from a wide receiver perspective, certainly very disappointing. Special teams perspective, he did very well. you got to be encouraged by that. But you don't draft a guy in the second round to be a special teamer. So you need uh, DJ Chark to really step up in 2019. But if you're looking at those three guys, those are the only three guys that you really feel have any uh, sort of long-term future with the team. Uh, Keelan Cole really disappointed in 2018. Dante Moncrief is set to be a free agent after he disappointed in his one year in Jacksonville. And beyond that, you just don't have very much. So wide receiver is very important for the Jaguars to address this offseason. I think uh, there's good value at wide receiver throughout most of this draft class. I think your best value you're going to find is round two and after, um, just because there is so much depth at this position that we'll get into. And I think you can really find a lot of different guys to suit a lot of different systems and different needs. And we'll get into all those types of players. Then you've got your tight ends. I think the Jaguars obviously have a need at tight end. They parted ways with Austin Ferry and Jenkins after not re uh, or picking up his 2019 option. So pretty much all they've got proven on their roster right now moving in to 2019 is James O'Shaughnessy. And I do like James O'Shaughnessy. I think he should definitely play a factor for the Jaguars at tight end this year. But he does not project to be your number one guy. Um, I do think there's a lot of players in this draft that could potentially be number one tight ends for their team. And I think the value there is really rounds one through four. While there is depth at this position, I think that a lot of these guys that I'm actually a fan of are going to be gone when you're getting into the final day of the draft. So val value for tight end round one through four, really players that you think can come in and be impact players at the position. Then you've got running back. Uh, Leonard Fournette is obviously still on the Jaguars roster. He is going to be their starter next year, barring some sort of trade, uh, which I don't foresee happening just because I don't think that the Jaguars would get the value they would want back for a guy who was the fourth round or fourth overall pick rather in 2017. So uh, running back, I love this running back class. I think it's maybe the deepest position in the entire class. Um, so I'm looking at the biggest value for running backs round three and after. Uh, I think there's one running back worthy of a first round pick, a couple that probably are worthy of a second round pick, but there's so many good ones after those guys that I think you'll definitely be able to get a, a running back that could compete to be a starter, you know, in rounds three to five and maybe even after that. 
certainly there's some guys that can contribute as role players after that, uh, depending on what you're looking for. And then my final position of need here is right guard. I really think the value here is rounds one through three. Um, I don't see a ton of depth at interior offensive line this year. Of course, I could be wrong. You all, you always have guys that you're not really high on that uh, end up turning into good uh, pro players. But for me right now, I think the value is rounds one through three. I see, you know, four to five guys interior O line wise that I think that would come in and be an immediate upgrade over uh, AJ Can, who is on his way out. Uh, in Jacksonville, it appears he's set to be a free agent after he's been up and down for the Jaguars at right guard throughout his career, started most of the time there. And he he's had games where he was the Jaguars' best offensive lineman. He's also had games where he was their worst. So you don't really know what you're getting with A.J. Can. They probably could bring him back on a pretty cheap deal and not worry about addressing the position. But I think in, va- in, in rounds one through three, the Jaguars could definitely upgrade over A.J. Can instead of just staying with the status quo by signing A.J. Can or someone similar in free agency. Um, so, with all that said, we've got our positional needs for the Jags at quarterback, wide receiver, tight end, running back, and right guard. Pretty much all of your offense outside of uh, some of the offensive line positions there. Some people uh, have looked at some other positions on defense and the other parts of the offensive line and declared them needs for the Jaguars. I would like to go ahead and address that. Uh, I don't believe linebacker is a need. The Jaguars are going to keep Telvin Smith around. They're going to keep Miles Jack around. Uh, Telvin Smith, at least for this season. Miles Jack is going into the final year of his rookie contract. I believe the Jaguars will try to get something done with him before or during the season. But uh, both of those guys should be starting. You've still got Leon Jacobs for your strong side linebacker role. And then you've got, in my opinion, two pretty good depth pieces in Blair Brown and Donald Payne. Cornerback, some people aren't comfortable with the depth. I'm not one of those people. You've got your two starters, Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boye, that you love. You've got your nickel cornerback, D.J. Hayden, that played very, very well in his first year as a Jaguar. Then you've got Tyler Patman, who can play well inside or outside, and you've got a couple uh, young guys from last season that came in and played very well as undrafted free agents. Uh, I also don't believe safety is a need. Uh, if the Jaguars elect to, they can keep around to Sean Gibson for another year at free safety. They've got Ronnie Harrison coming in. He was a rookie last year at strong safety. Uh, ended up starting a good portion of the end of the season after the Jaguars just went ahead and got rid of Barry Church. Uh, and Harrison played very well. He looks like he's going to be a playmaker. And then some people also have right tackle as a position of need. I'm not one of them. The Jaguars drafted Will Richardson in the fourth round last year to be their right tackle of the future. If the Jaguars want to get rid of Jeremy Parnell this year, Will Richardson should have every opportunity to go win that right tackle job. And I think if you're going to get a quality right tackle, you're going to have to do it pretty early. Um, if You could take a project later in the draft, certainly. But in my mind, that is not necessarily a position of need. 
but uh, we'll get into our players to target here in just a second. Um, I would like to go ahead and thank Bold City Brewery. They are the one and only sponsor of the Gin Jack podcast. You can find them in Riverside uh, on Roselle or downtown on East Bay Street. They've got two tap rooms for you to enjoy, and they're always hooking us up with great beverages for the podcast. Now, getting into our players to target. I'm going to go through the players I would like the Jaguars to target at each of their positions of need that I have positions, their positions of need as. First, we'll start with the quarterback. It's the most important position. Like I said earlier, I think this is such a top-heavy class. I really believe it's Dwayne Haskins, Kyler Murray, or Bust. Uh, both players have very different playing styles, obviously. Dwayne Haskins is more of your uh, traditional Six foot three inches, two hundred twenty pounds, uh, big quarterback. He doesn't have the biggest height. I mean, six three isn't huge for a quarterback these days, but it is plenty big enough. Um, good arm, very strong arm. Uh, processes the game very quickly. Only started one year at Ohio State, but quickly developed throughout the season. And by the end of the season, he was playing his best football. And I believe his final three games of the season completed or completed 72% of his passes, 14 touchdowns, one interception. He was just fantastic, and he's the type of guy that really takes charge in the film room and clearly understands what defenses are trying to do and how to counter that or attack that. And then your other guy you've got is Kyler Murray, most dynamic athlete I've seen into the draft at the quarterback position since Michael Vick. Uh, yes, you heard me. Since Michael Vick. He's an absolute freak. I think uh, he could very well revolutionize the quarterback position in the NFL with his ability to uh, make people miss with his quick twitch athleticism. And he has great long speed. Uh, he's got a great arm. Throws very well on the run. Probably one of the most accurate passers on the run that I've seen. And, you know, his biggest question marks you're going to see are his size. I mean, he's going to come in probably a little bit under 5 foot 10 inches tall. He's going to probably come in after he's been working out over the last few weeks. It, there's a report now that he's up to 206 pounds, which would be really impressive, uh, of course. I'm not worried about the guy's height. I do believe you would want to have a system that, accentuate his skill set if you're going to draft Kyler Murray. You don't want him to just be a traditional drop-back passer. However, I also don't think that his height is an extreme limitation. I mean, he's a guy that he has one of the smallest uh, rates of batted passes of any of the quarterbacks coming out this year. So, I mean, I don't think his height is really an issue. I do like to see that he's able to get up to over 200 pounds to hopefully uh, withstand and have have him be more durable at the next level than uh, some of the other athletic quarterbacks that we've seen over the past that are a little bit skinnier and lankier. I do think that uh, Kyler has enough weight, and I, I think he's he really functions well in terms of not taking the big hits. He's a baseball player. I don't know if that helped him learn how to slide better, but he's excellent at getting down quickly and avoiding the big hits. So these are my two guys. The Jaguars got to get one in the first round. Well, really, in the first 10 picks. They might need to trade up um, in order to do so. But 
if I'm the Jaguars I, and I'm going to draft a quarterback this year, it's going to be Kyler Murray or Dwayne Haskins, and it's going to be early on. I would even trade up for one of them. I think these two are that valuable. Identify which one you want and go get them, Jaguars. So you've got other guys out there. You've got your Daniel Jones, your Drew Locke, your Will Greer. All of these guys have games that it's possible that they could develop into a quality starting NFL quarterback, but there's just so many issues. With Drew Locke, it's the consistency, it's the uh, footwork, the mechanics, you just drive you crazy. And he really came on at the end of last year, but prior to that, during the 2018 season, he was pretty disappointing. So he's not a guy I'm a big fan of. Plus, I mean, he's probably going to end up in Denver one way or the other. John Elway's got that massive man crush on Drew Locke. Then you've got Daniel Jones. He's a guy that couldn't even complete 60% of his passes at the college level. Everyone raves about how he's worked with David Cutcliffe, the quarterback guru, and how he's pro-ready. I don't see it. My comparison for him is Alex Smith, but Alex Smith is way more accurate than Daniel Jones. I just don't see him developing quickly into a good NFL quarterback at a a starting level due to, like I said, his lack of accuracy. And he gets um, his balls batted at the line extremely high rate. There's some pictures out there you'll see uh, comparing his throwing motion to Blake Bortles, which is something that no one in Jacksonville wants to see, obviously. So, yeah, just to recap the quarterback position, it's Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, or bust. Moving on. We're going to go to the wide receiver position here. I said this earlier. I think the the value here is rounds two plus. But if you're going to go get a guy in the first round, you've got uh, you've got uh, excuse me, DK Metcalf and Kelvin Harmon, who I have first round grades on. Metcalf is a physical freak. I mean, everyone's seen the pictures by now. He should test very well at the combine. And then Harmon is uh, just everything you want in a a wide receiver one. He's got speed, the athleticism, the strength, the hands, the blocking ability. Doesn't have durability questions, which Metcalf does. I think Metcalf has the highest ceiling of any receiver, but I think that Harmon has the highest floor of any receiver in this class. And I think he might test a little bit better than some people expect in terms of speed and athleticism. He's also a great blocker. Um, after that, you've got a bunch of guys that could go anywhere from round two to the third day of the draft, and there's some really intriguing ones. Nikhil Harry, some people have boasted him as a first-round pick. I don't think his game is quite complete enough to be at the first-round level, but I think the Jaguars could come in and use him as a player like they used when they used Justin Blackman. Quick slants, quick screens, get him the ball quickly and let him do his thing in space. He's bigger and people have questions about his athleticism, but when he runs in space, he makes people miss. I mean, he even excelled as a punt returner at Arizona State. I think he's a guy that's going to help whichever team he ends up on. You've also got Riley Ridley out of Georgia. There's questions about his speed, but he's a great route runner, very physical brother of Calvin Ridley. I think he's going to have a nice pro career. Watching him throughout the combine in terms of his athleticism, it'll be key for where he ends up in in some of the final uh, draft rankings at the wide receiver position. 
got a lot more guys to look at though. Demarcus Lodge, he was kind of the third fiddle in uh, Ole Miss's passing offense behind uh, DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. Lodge is a really intriguing guy. I think he could be a great flanker, even potentially be a a dominant X receiver and be a very effective guy in a in a potent NFL offense. He's got very refined uh, release off the line of scrimmage, which helps him get open easily, and then he can catch everything. He does miss some of the easy passes, which is obviously an area of concern, but when it comes to making the big play, DeMarcus Lodge can do that all day. Arcega Whiteside, J.J. Arcega Whiteside from Stanford, really interesting prospect. He's a great receiver, great technique, uh, can body people. I mean, DBs stand no chance when it's a jump ball in the end zone against this guy. But there's big questions about his speed and athleticism. David Sills is another guy who you'd really like in terms of a big-bodied receiver who can make plays down the field. You want to see if he can test well. He transitioned from being a high school quarterback to a college receiver at West Virginia. Mammoth of a receiver that if, if he tests well, I think his draft stock could really soar. Um, and then we'll talk about some guys that could be more playmaker types, maybe slot receiver types. Uh, Debo Samuel and A.J. Brown kind of headline that area. I think they're both just very consistent players that do everything pretty well. But the four guys I'm most excited about from those roles are Andy Isabella, who is a small college wide receiver dominated at UMass and I believe he could sneak into the second round if he tests very well. He's expected to run in the low 4.3s. He's even said he's run a 4.2640 before. So this is a guy that really could change your offense from the slot position in terms of being able to get open. He's not only long got the long speed, but he's also got incredible quickness and route running ability. So it'll be really fun to watch him this week. You've got Nicole Hardman from Georgia who... At Georgia, there's just so much talent all over the field that none of these Georgia prospects really got a chance to be featured prospect or featured players in their offense because they spread the ball around so much at Georgia. But Miko Hard- Hardman can absolutely fly. He might run the fastest 40 at the draft. Then you've got Paris Campbell, who's a similar player uh, in terms of the role that he played in the Ohio State offense. Campbell's body type, though, and athleticism profile kind of is more reminiscent of a Cordero Patterson, where uh, Patterson was obviously overdrafted uh, when he was taken out of Tennessee, but Campbell, if you could get him in the mid-rounds and just use him as a slot receiver, kick returner, punt returner, guy to get him the ball in open space, I think he could be a really, really nice weapon for for a potent offense. And then another Ohio State receiver, Terry McLaurin, I think if he runs well, uh, maybe high 4.3s, low 4.4s, and uh, continues to show some of the polish that he did at the Senior Bowl, he's a guy whose draft stock could really improve. There's a ton of other receivers that I like in this draft. Like I said, it's extremely deep, so I think you could get value pretty much in any round at receiver in this draft. I didn't mention yet guys like Emmanuel Hall and Dylan Mitchell. Emmanuel Hall is out of Missouri, Mitchell out of Oregon. I think both of those guys have the potential to be starting outside receivers in the NFL. Uh, And there's 
even more guys that I haven't mentioned. But uh, like I said, you can get value all over in this class. My favorite receiver is Harmon from NC State. Like I said, I think he has the lowest floor. I think he's going to be a dominant starting receiver in the NFL. Uh, and I, I just don't think the Jack Rose will be able to get him. I think he slots to fall somewhere in the second half of the first round. Unless the Jaguars traded down, I don't think he would really be an option for them, unfortunately. Uh, now we're going to move on to the tight end position. I really like these first five to six guys I'm going to talk about. Uh, and I think a lot of these guys are going to end up going round one to four. So I don't know if you're going to get good value later in the draft at tight end, but you might. It just depends on the way things uh, the way things go in the draft here. But TJ Hawkinson, he's the cream of the crop. He's the clear-cut number one. He's a top ten overall player. Uh, he's blue chip in terms of uh, his athleticism. He's a great blocker at tight end, runs great routes, has great hands. Um, he's just the total package out of Iowa. Then you've got his counterpart at Iowa, Noah Fant, who projects more as like the extreme, extreme athlete at the tight end position. He'll probably run a sub 4 five forty. He, despite being an amazing athlete and a, a huge downfield threat, does project to actually be able to come in line and block downfield a little bit. So that's something you like to see out of Noah Fant. Irv Smith Jr. out of Alabama wasn't as heavily utilized uh, as he could have been throughout his career, but he's got fantastic physical traits, should be a good balance tight end. And then my next two guys, you've got Dawson Knox out of Ole Miss and Jay Sternberger out of Texas A&M. Both of them uh, have kind of been coming on late. Uh, Knox was never heavily utilized at Ole Miss, but he fits the athletic profile of what you want for a tight end. And when he has been, when his number was called at Ole Miss, he did make some impressive plays. Um, he could definitely be a nice receiving threat downfield in a vertical offense. Sternberger, same thing. And then uh, a guy that could be a later round pick that I'm liking a lot, that Zach Goodall, my buddy over at Locked On Jaguars, always talks about is uh, Moro from LSU. I think he could be a good balance tight end, and he could be had maybe on day three of the draft probably. So I like all those guys. There's some other guys out there at the tight end position that you'll see. Uh, Caden Smith from Stanford, Isaac Nada from Georgia, so the tight end position has a lot of talent, but I really think if you're looking at a guys to come in and be a starter for the Jaguars this year, you're looking at rounds one through four. And you're looking at Hawkinson, Fant, Smith from Alabama, Smith, Smith Jr., Knox, Sternberger, and Mora. Um, and then moving on to right guard, like I said, I think the values here is, again, rounds one through three. And you've got Dalton... First of all, most of these guys have position versatility, which is nice. Dalton Risner could be our tackle or a guard. I project him at guard, and I really like what he can do. Um, out of Kansas State, I think that uh, he's a he's a hard, hard worker. He hasn't had everything handed to him as an offensive lineman, and he's a guy that would really fit in well in Jacksonville and be a good leader for this offensive line. You've got Michael Dieter from Wisconsin. Again, he's a guy that's played at multiple positions on the offensive line. I think he would come in and play very well for the Jaguars at guard. Chris Lindstrom from Boston College. He might be the cleanest pure guard prospect out there. 
Uh, his tape is very good, and I just think that he's going to be a solid guard, starting guard for at least 10 years in the NFL, assuming the injury bug doesn't hit him. And you've got a guy like Garrett Bradbury, who really projects as a better zone blocker than uh, than a uh, excuse me a better zone blocking scheme guy than a uh, between the tackles type of guy. But I, I believe that he does have some scheme versatility, and he could uh, very well fit in with the Jaguars. And he's from NC State, so you've got guys here, and there's more guards out there that. Uh, could potentially end up being solid prospects, but I don't think that outside of round three you're going to get a guy that you really feel comfortable putting everything into this year in terms of making him your starter. So I think if you're going to go guard in the draft and forego re-signing A.J. Can or signing a veteran, you would be wise to get one of these guys in the first three rounds uh, for sure. Now, to wrap up the show, I wanted to talk about the Draft Network. They're a fairly new website, and they just launched their mock draft machine. They do a great job, first of all, of just covering the draft. They have tons of content that comes out daily, from articles to podcasts. They have several different podcasts that they do uh, over there. But their mock draft machine just came out, and I was able to do my first mock draft on their mock draft machine over at thedraftnetwork.com. And shout out to them. Uh, So I'm just going to share with you what I was able to put together here for the mock draft and wanted to get y'all's feedback on what we got here. So round one got Dwayne Haskins at seven. Didn't have to trade up or anything like that to get Haskins. I think that'd be a great value. And a lot of people are like, wait, how's Haskins getting to seven? Um... In this mock draft, Cody Ford went to the Giants at 6, so they didn't go quarterback. I guess they're sticking with Eli Manning for another year in this scenario. And then we've got Noah Fant at number 38 in the second round for the Jaguars. I think that'd be a great value getting you know your go-to tight end weapon uh, to really get your offense to be a little bit more modern than what we've seen from the Jaguars in the last few years. Uh, Andy Isabella. At number 69 for the Jaguars. Like I said earlier, this is a guy that incredibly refined route runner, great hands, would lock down your slot position if you're the Jaguars and could potentially be a home run threat. He should run in the low 4-3s, maybe even in the 4-2s. Then I've got Elijah Holyfield running back out of Georgia. Big fan of Holyfield. Uh, I think... Like I said, this running back draft is so deep that I think getting one in the fourth or fifth round might be the best option for the Jaguars, and this would be in the fourth round here for the Jags. Um, Or, excuse me, this is the second third round pick, if I'm correct here. Got to pull up my draft order here, having a little brain fart. All right. Okay, so this would be the first pick in round number four. Um, Holyfield, out of Georgia, he has good balance, very good contact balance, is always finishing runs. Uh, I don't know if he has the best speed, but I do think he's a 
it'd be a very nice compliment to Leonard Fournette. And if Fournette was forced to miss time like he has during his first two seasons in the NFL, that Holyfield could come in and be a, a real factor for the Jaguars. Then we've got David Sills, uh, wide receiver. Uh, we're getting him at number 165 overall for the Jaguars. And I think, like I said earlier, he's the type of guy that if he tests well, he could really get drafted a lot earlier than this. But here we have him in round number six, amazingly. I, I don't think he'll last that long. But he's the type of guy that you've seen some Mike Evans type of uh, traits from him and comparisons. I don't think he's the athlete that Mike Evans is, but I do think he's an excellent wide receiver prospect that, again, switched over from the quarterback position coming into college. And uh, he could really be an impact receiver down the field uh, at the next level. And then finally, I've got the Jaguars selecting another running back, which seems probably pretty unlikely. But for a team that likes to feature the run so much, and you have Leonard Fournette, who's so volatile in terms of his availability, I think grabbing another good running back here, Jordan Scarlett from Florida, would just really uh, cement the Jaguars' running back talent. Scarlett's a bit of a risk with his off-field issues, and and uh, you don't know, at least from an outside perspective, what where the guy's head is at mentally, but extreme talent, great contact balance, great speed. He's going to test off the charts at the Combine. And uh, a guy that I think if he's there in the seventh round would be a great pickup for the Jaguars without question. So, yeah, that was my first mock draft machine experience over at the Draft Network. And that's thedraftnetwork.com if you want to check it out. Uh, that's going to wrap up the show for today. I want to thanks everybody for, thank everyone for listening and remind y'all that I am going to be doing some more solo shows here soon and that uh, hopefully we will get the gang all back together for a weekly podcast coming up in the next few weeks. Hopefully we'll, we'll be able to start getting that done. But we will have more content for you here at the Gen Jag Podcast. Again, we appreciate everybody listening. You can follow the podcast at Generation Jag on Twitter, and you can follow myself at Jordan DeLugo on Twitter. I talk about the Jaguars all day, every day. I also throw in some Orlando Magic, some Florida Gators, and some random other tidbits as well. Um, so, yeah, this has been a good experience, I think. Y'all let me know your feedback if you would like to review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. That really helps our rating, helps more people find us. That would help me out a lot. You can uh, do that on the Apple Podcasts app. And check us out at genjag.com for all the latest Jaguars news analysis and videos. Uh, we've got new stuff going up there daily. We've also got an awesome Genjag uh, shop. We feature a lot of Duval and Jacksonville-themed gear. You can check that out, genjag.com slash shop. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and go Jags. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible T-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.